From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Alaska state troopers have halted their search for a missing woman whose two-year-old grandchild was found alone last week in a locked car stuck in mud on a rural road. Authorities believe the child was alone in the car for two days. The Alaska Department of Public Safety said Saturday that no clues to Mary Don Wilson's whereabouts have emerged since the 69-year-old woman's Ford Focus was found last Thursday with the child and personal items believed to belong to Wilson. Officials say the search could resume if new information is reported. The department says there is no evidence of foul play connected with Wilson's disappearance. Speaking at a U.S. Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee hearing last week, Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski talked about the current status of reproductive care following the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. The committee's hearing was an opportunity to address questions surrounding what can be done to improve access now, patient confusion, and downstream impacts on access to health care. Senator Murkowski stressed her position on choice. When it comes to decisions that are so personal, that are so complex, and have such an impact on a person's lives, I think that that choice must ultimately be in the hands of the individual and not in the government. And that's where I came down on on vaccine mandates. It's where I come down on abortion. Kowski said it is reasonable to not require medical providers who are against abortion to be forced to do such an operation with taxpayer dollars. There are nuances, there are gray areas. Um, Many Americans, myself included, believe that it is reasonable to not require those who are firmly opposed to abortion to support it with their tax dollars, and that providers who do not wish to be involved in abortion should not be forced to be. But what I would hope that we can agree on is that it's in the best interest of everyone to create a system where fewer women face this choice in the first place because everybody has adequate access to and knowledge about contraceptives and because women and families have the support that they need. Murkowski says that while abortion in Alaska is protected, she says the trigger laws in the nation still have made a downstream impact to the state. In June, the Supreme Court released its decision on Dobbs v. Jackson, Women's Health Organization, to overturn Roe v. Wade, placing the responsibility on states to set their own abortion laws. U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan last week urged President Joe Biden and his administration to quickly advance the Willow Project, a large oil and gas project in the National Petroleum Reserve, Alaska. Sullivan says that the project is overwhelmingly supported by Alaskans, particularly statewide Alaska Native leaders, and those who reside on Alaska's North Slope. The Biden administration in my state has been a disaster. They've issued 26 executive orders or executive actions solely focused on my state, solely focused on Alaska, none of which have been helpful. Lately, lately, there's been discussion, constructive discussion on a big project in Alaska called the Willow Project. And the Biden administration is showing signs that they want to support it. Now, it makes sense. The country needs energy. This is would be done in the National Petroleum Reserve of Alaska, set aside decades ago by Congress for oil and gas development. 
The Biden administration's Bureau of Land Management recently released a draft supplemental environmental impact statement for the project. The senator argued that stalling or stopping the project would deny a massive source of jobs and economic opportunity for Alaskans and be an affront to the administration's own stated priorities of environmental justice and racial equity. Meanwhile, Sullivan joined Larry Kudlow on Fox Business News Network. Sullivan criticized President Biden for, quote, begging dictators around the world in Saudi Arabia to produce more oil when states like Alaska have untapped resources waiting to be produced by American workers, end quote. What the administration needs to do is send an envoy to Alaska <laughs> and an envoy to Texas and an envoy to North Dakota and say, hey, can we help you increase production here? The answer is, hell yeah, you can help. You can get the boot off the neck of our producers. You can start permitting infrastructure. You can start going to financial institutions and telling them to loan to small uh, oil and gas and medium oil and gas producers, not crush them. Sullivan says the Biden administration's stance on oil is offense to everyday Americans. You don't have to go all the way to Saudi Arabia. You know, heck, these guys even sent an envoy to Venezuela begging that dictator for more oil. It makes no sense. It's offensive to the average American. Sullivan also addressed congressional Democrats' latest push for new climate change legislation that the senator warns reportedly includes bone-crushing tax increases on small businesses. It is literally insane to do two things right now dramatically increase spending when their American Recovery Act of $2 trillion, the Democrats' partisan bill, put uh, gas on the fire of inflation a year and a half ago to do another trillion dollar of spending, and then on the likelihood of an eve of a recession, do major tax increases. It is completely upside-down economic policy. Alaska U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan a Coast Guard task force conducted a nine-day deployment to inspect facilities in Alaska's northwest Arctic borough last week. From July 6th through the 15th, members of Sector Anchorage's Marine Safety Task Force and the Environmental Protection Agency inspected 24 bulk fuel storage facilities in 11 Alaskan communities, including Kotzebue, Kivalina, Norvik, Selawik, and Ukiavik. The primary goal of facility inspections is to ensure public safety and protection of the marine environment throughout Alaska. Remote pollution incidents require significantly higher levels of resources to clean up. Sector Anchorage has about 380 inspected waterfront facilities in their area of responsibility, 346 of which are not accessible by road. A ballot question being put to voters this year asks residents to repeal mandatory property sales disclosures in Juneau. City Manager Rory Watt on Action Line. We have a uh, citizen's uh, referendum uh, that they filed and they would like to make it so that um, when people sell a property, uh, the price of that sale does not have to be disclosed to the city. Uh, and they're reacting to an ordinance change that the city made this year. Uh, well, we made a couple uh, changes over over a period of time. Yeah, this was back in, what, 2017? Yeah, we've, we've sort of slowly moved in that direction. We required disclosure without a penalty. 
Um, but that didn't really change. People weren't disclosing, and then we added a penalty. Um, and that, this is in response to that. What weighed the two sides? The citizens group is advocating that uh, privacy, uh, financial um, information is more important. And the ordinance that the uh, we at staff level recommended to the assembly and the assembly passed is that it's more important that we know those sale prices so that we can uh, fairly tax people. Uh, so that the you know equitable taxation, I guess, is the other um, you know balancing argument. And was asked what the impact would be if the ordinance is repealed. The impact would be the assessor would be um, in the dark. Um, so that's the that's the hard thing. You know, we've got uh, the city assessor and a small office of people, uh, you know, maybe a half dozen people total in that group. And every year they're required to comply with state law uh, and set property values uh, in accordance with fair market value. And in the borough, we've got about 8,000 properties. Um, and it's very, very hard to know what 8,000 properties are all worth. Um, and if we uh, require disclosure, uh, you know, argument is, has been we're going to know and then we're going to be able to tax people fairly. Um, and if we don't have that information, uh, the assessors are just going to have to do the best they can. And so the thought that it would be fair is because it's being thoroughly assessed through that, that information. That's right. Yeah, okay. that's right. Juno City Manager Rory Watt commenting on Action Line. The campus of Thunder Mountain High School will transform into Iron Man Village the week of Iron Man, which is slated for August 7th. The village is where athletes will go to pick up their race numbers. It will also be where they can shop in the Iron Man merchandise store. The village opens on August 4th. A short day at the village will be on August 6th. Colleen McDonald is the race director for Iron Man Alaska. Iron Man Village will continue from 9 until 2. It's a shorter day that day um, just to get everybody to sleep, get them ready for the race. So we have a shorter day then. We also will start our activities at University of Alaska Southeast that day with a mandatory bike check-in um, at 9 o'clock from 9 o'clock to 3 p.m. All of the athletes are expected to drop their bikes and their gear bags off for the race um, at University of Alaska Southeast. On August 8th, it'll be Celebration Day with a breakfast as well as an award ceremony at Centennial Hall. The triannual disaster exercise drill at the Juneau International Airport is set for this Saturday. According to Assistant Fire Chief Ed Quinto, it is training that is required by the FAA. Quinto explained what the day of the exercise will be like. Uh, during the day, we'll still have the normal operations, so aircrafts and airplanes will still take off and land, we'll be off to the side, and then we'll have multiple victims, 50, 60, 70, 80, depending on how the airport crews are setting up. Uh, so we'll have uh, a tone out as normal. They'll have an airplane crash. We'll tone out the crash trucks. Now, how, do you, tru how do you simulate that crash? Well, <clears throat> last time we did it three years ago, uh, they s set a Connex on fire. <laughs> okay, Full okay. of wood pallets. <laughs> so when you looked up, and like, wow, there's black smoke and big fire. So, uh, And then they had people all over the place uh, simulating uh, that they're injured. They're all mock covering on their face. You know, they got bleeding and, you know, their bruises and bones sticking out. 
and the airport is looking for volunteers to act as victims during the exercise. You must be 12 years old and older. If you call uh, 789-7821, which is the airport main office, they can direct you to where uh, you can be. Yes, we are still looking for victims. If you want to be a victim, uh, be ready to have your clothes cut, unless you want to be a walking wounded. We are taking adults and kids up. I think uh, you have to be 12 and older. 12 and older, okay. Yeah. You know, they have, and the kids stay with their parents, so they don't get separated. So we want to make sure that, uh, you know, keep in line. And, yeah, we are still looking for victims, so, yeah, give a call, 789-7821. Fire Chief Ed Quino. The Haynesboro Assembly will meet tomorrow as a committee of the whole. They will discuss the progressive design build delivery method for the Lutec dock. Haynes Mayor Douglas Olerud spoke about that during the KINY morning show. Wednesday we've got a committee of the whole meeting uh, describing and looking at the progressive design build uh, project of our Lutec dock and this is the first time we've used progressive design build as a method of construction and so it's a learning process for us and this is the first step to explain the process to the community and hopefully get some answers on on how we're going to be moving forward and getting our LUTAC dock replaced now that uh, the state capped us off with uh, with the last little bit of money we need to finish that so we're looking forward to getting that done here in the next couple of years and then on Thursday we've got uh, Coast Guards coming to Haines for safety and security meeting so i'm looking to hear what what they have to say the meeting will be held via zoom the coast guard haynes port safety and security meeting is set for 9 a.m on thursday the alaska marine highway systems tustamina has returned to service according to the state of alaska the tustamina's federal capital improvement project recently wrapped up at the jag shipyard and the vessel returned to service in southwest alaska on july 16th the project consisted of the refurbishment of the vehicle lift systems, king post replacements, exterior vessel paint coating systems, piping renewals, a new vehicle deck, exterior LED lights, and dining room and public restroom flooring renewals. The vessel's stabilizer fins were also repaired, which will provide passengers and crew with a more stable ride. A four-part docu-series on HBO and HBO Max featured Glacier Bay National Park last week. The show Edge of the Earth premiered July 12th on the cable networks. Snowboarder Jeremy Jones led a team to southeast Alaska to make the first recorded descent of Mount Bertha in the park in the debut episode. The docuseries showcases four groups of athletes embarking on four never-before-accomplished missions. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.